infertility puts a big spotlight on relationship. And I use this carpet analogy. The spots that you have in the carpet, the dirt spots, becomes more visible, especially when you're going through infertility. And a lot of us don't have the necessary tools to clean that stain. Even if you put a rug on top of that stain, the stain still exists. Until you really find ways to truly deep clean the stain. Now I feel like I'm an advertisement for a carpet cleaner. (laughs) Unless I have the real tools to deep clean my carpet and get it out of the root of the carpet, the stain is going to keep coming back. Even if your infertility journey becomes success story and you have a child and all goes well after that, that stain still remains. A lot of couples are separating or divorcing because of not able to clean the stain on the carpet. Not because they can't have the child. It's not because of that, but their inability to take care of the stain together. And that's where I come in as a coach to really help them address the stain and help make your infertility journey suck less. Reboots, Rough Cuts, episode number one, features Pradeepa Naranswamy, a credentialed life coach who specializes in coaching individuals and couples through infertility issues. Now, make no mistake, anyone can benefit from hearing Pradeepa's story, but if you love someone dealing with infertility or if you are someone struggling to grow your family, please listen with an open heart and an open mind and share. Hey there, you're dialed into Reboots, featuring stories about people who have been forced to start over in life or in business, all walks of life, anonymous or named, high profile or low down, stories with heart, soul, and grit. Because knowing and sharing our stories is essential for living a life of joy, experiencing healthy relationships, and impacting the world around us in a positive way. Here's your host, Tracy Winchell. Hey, Pradeepa, thank you for inviting us into your life today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Tracy. I'm so grateful to be here with you today. Tell me about your life right now. Just paint a picture of who you are and what you do and all of that good stuff. Yeah, so I am a fertility coach, and my mission is to help men, women, and couples infertility journey suck less. So fertility challenges and fertility struggles can be really painful. And the word I chose to use, suck, it can be really, really sucky. That explains a lot about how the journey is. And why I became that is because of my own personal journey with infertility. I had a really long and very painful road for eight years of infertility struggles, uh, started with three miscarriages and then on to three IUI, which is intrauterine insemination failures, and eight back-to-back-to-back IVF, which is in vitro fertilization failures. Mm -hmm. This includes donor cycles as well. So for people who understand these acronyms or any of your listeners going through this, they can easily tell this is kind of like a lot. for somebody to go through. And I'll I'll use this metaphor with you. Every time I go on to a treatment, my hopes are so up. I'm naturally, and I'm very optimistic person. So anytime I go into a treatment with really good hope and optimism, it's like I am climbing the stairs of the 30th floor only to find out the treatment didn't work. It felt like, you know, I'm falling off the window face flat into the ground floor again. And I have to pick myself up again, and then I have to climb the stairs again. That's how it felt every time, Tracy. Wow. And I want to get into that in depth as as we get into uh, your story and unpack it a little bit more. Yeah. But at this point, you have a son. You live in Dallas, Texas. Talk to me a little bit about just what your day is usually like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love my days these days. You know, I am so motivated. Every day I wake up in the morning, it's so wonderful to think that 
I know my purpose. I know where I'm going with my life. You know, these are the people that I'm set to serve in this world. And the infertility community is uh, not supported so much. Yeah, there are support groups out there and people kind of come together and talk about your struggle and my struggle and our struggle and things like that. But like not true support in the fact that like what is next? Where do we want it to go from here? Like the clarity the energy, the positivity, the inspiration, right? No matter what the outcome it's going to be, it doesn't have to be a sucky journey. Mm-hmm. So when I, now I've dedicated my life in supporting that, in supporting that tribe, it really wakes me up, you know, like, yeah, this is, this is awesome. You know, like I've felt a big gap when I went through this journey. I mean, the typical support groups that I went to felt like a pity party, you know, everybody, it's like a alcoholic anonymous groups. Like I've seen it in movie, like my name is Pradeepa and I have infertility and this is my story or this is where I am. Right. And everybody had to go through something like that. Yeah. Okay. I understand that. But when you have all these repeated failures and all these emotional things going on with you, you cannot truly relate to others. And, you know, like at some point, yeah, I, I am already struggling. It's hard for me to support you as well and uplift you and it's more like a downer for me mm-hmm. I also saw counselor a therapist and my attitude towards my therapist was very sour because she hasn't gone through infertility and my attitude at that time was like you have no idea what I'm going through you don't understand what exactly is going on for me, right? So that was my attitude and that really didn't help me as well. Mm. I was looking for like, what is next for me? Okay, this failure after failure after failure after failure. My doctors are changing the protocol after protocol after protocol and we are just totally relying on them and their expertise. It felt like I stopped thinking and making decisions. I was so unclear on where I wanted to go next with this. Somehow, after my eighth journey, uh, eighth failure, I said, like, okay, I have to stop this. I cannot go through this anymore. My husband even recommended, like, maybe we'll go through one more treatment, one more IVF. But I said, like, no, I don't want it to go through this. I have to stop. And then we went into the adoption route. So we started our adoption paperwork. And then five years later, we have our beautiful blessing in our home. You know, he's our wonderful son. He's five and a half years old now. So we got him home and he was three and a half. I am truly, truly, truly blessed and so grateful for him in our lives. Wow, Pradeepi, there are several points where I kind of want to back up here and do a deep dive into several things like the, the emotional roller coaster, the managing expectations, the pity party, and how you finally turned the corner and said, I'm done. I want to park those things right now and ask you a standard question that I ask. I know the answer to this because you've kind of already said that. I just love asking this of all of my guests so that you can put this in your your own words. Where do you share your story and why? Yeah, I right now share my story at any and all mediums possible. For example, your podcast like that I have try to appear in several podcasts because all these podcasts have different, you know, viewers and listeners. I wanted to create awareness, Tracy. I wanted to create awareness in the fact that people who are struggling through this, who are finding this journey sucky and so challenging, I want people to know that there is somebody who had fallen deep, deep, deep into the pit of infertility and yet was able to swim to the shores. And I have seen the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm still medically considered infertile. Our baby came through adoption, which I'm extremely grateful for. I'm still a mother. But infertility is always going to be a part of me. Nobody can take that away until I die, until I go away physically from this earth. My infertility is unexplained, meaning doctors don't know why I have infertility. All sorts of tests, nothing showed, no, you know, like anomalies, abnormalities. Everything came out okay, yet we can't get pregnant on our own or even with the donor eggs. So I wanted to create awareness, Tracy. 
I've been a professional coach for such a long time, eight plus years, uh, mostly in the organizational settings. Nowadays, work a lot with leadership, higher senior leadership teams. And last year, somebody asked me, like, Pradeepa, I know you are like a coach and all. And I, I had my life coaching business on the side for three and a half years so or so. And somebody asked me, like, Pradeepa, I know you are like a life coach and on all. Uh, like, what's your thing? This person was asking me about my specialty. And I didn't have one. And that question was so powerful for me, Tracy. What is my thing? Why am I doing what I'm doing right now? Like, why, why am I coaching? I blurted these three things out to him. It just came from my brain, not from my heart. Like, I wanted to coach minority women, just like me, in leadership. So I want them to empower them and go after their bigger and bigger dreams and slashing their greatest fears. Number two, I wanted to be an adoption coach because we have adopted our son. And I know being married for 16 years and then having a three and a half year old suddenly sitting in your living room and looking at you is a different experience altogether. We had a different lifestyle altogether. And suddenly you have to be a mom. You know, nobody gives you a book saying that step by step on becoming 30 days dummies for being an amazing mom. There is no book like that. I've searched, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So there's nothing like that. And, you know, through coaching, you know, I was, you know, I have a coach. Even though I'm a coach, I have a coach. Through coaching, I was able to become and show up as a better mom for my son. You know, that process was so easy for me. So I wanted to help people who are either actively going through adoption process or have just an adopted a child just like me. And number three, out of nowhere, this came. I wanted to help people going through fertility challenges. And I even surprised myself by saying that out loud. And that's it. You know, that conversation was over. It was a conference where I was speaking. The good thing was it was a big conference and it's a five day conference. And my friend and I had this conversation on day one, which was Monday. So that question still lingered, like, what is my thing? So I took that conference as an opportunity to really explore and introspect about what my thing is. I had plenty of opportunities to meet with new people. 2,500 people attended the conference. So every time when I introduced myself to somebody new, I introduced myself as these three different personas. I am a minority women coach, or hey, I'm an adoption coach, or hey, I'm a fertility coach. And I was trying to listen to myself on what's happening, like what is resonating with me. Every time, Tracy, every time when I introduced myself as a fertility coach, I got goosebumps in my hand. You know, my stomach started churning a little bit and butterflies, and I started feeling a tingling sensation in my whole body. My body was telling me something. Even now, I don't know whether you can see it. Like I'm having goosebumps in my every time when I think back about that situation, something changes in my body. And then and there I knew it. This is my thing. I am a fertility coach. And that's why I am born. And you know what, Tracy? I'm actually very grateful for my, my sucky infertility journey because that led me to be this person so that it doesn't have to be sucky for other people. Mm. And that's my purpose in life. And I know it very, very clearly. That's why I am born. What a concept though, Pradeepa. Do you advise your clients if like, I've had this identity journey too over the past couple of years. I've figured out who I'm not part of it by my own choosing, part of it of not of my choosing. And as I've tried to build my platform, there are 15 different directions where I could take my writing and my content creation. And it seems to be getting hemmed in all because I tried on some scenarios that I thought I was good at or enjoyed. And then I'm finally figuring out what I'm really good at is talking about recovery and 12 steps and outside that context about how to reboot your life. So is that something you advise your clients to do is to try on 
some sort of an expertise that you know you're good at and figure out which one just feels most comfortable? Yeah, I typically don't advise advise my client. See, that's the beauty of coaching. And I, whenever I coach anybody, you know, my fertility clients or my non-fertility clients, I know that they are capable of finding their own answers. And my responsibility as a coach is to just ask them powerful questions so they can go deep inside and search for the answers. And whatever they say out loud is what it is. So I challenge them sometimes, you know, I help them expand their range. I cheerlead them. I let them think outside in different perspectives, but it's them who come out with their own answers. Nobody told me about, you know, you are an adoption coach or minority women coach or fertility coach. Nobody said that. It just came from within because of the powerful question my friend asked, like, what is your thing? That's it. Three, three words. What's your thing? Hmm. And this leads me to one of the favorite pages on your website. You explained the difference between a coach, a consultant, and a therapist. Yes. Share that with our listeners. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I typically use an analogy to share the difference between coaching and consulting and therapy. So if that's okay with you, let's pretend that Tracy, you wanted to learn a bicycle, right? You are an older adult now and you wanted to learn the bicycle for the first time. You used to ride a bike when you were like, let's say four or five years old and you totally have forgotten how to ride it. Suddenly now, you know, a new goal for you is to start riding because you know, you're, you just moved into a beautiful place and there are beautiful areas to ride a bike. So when you go to a consultant, This is how it's going to be. A consultant will offer you, let's say, how to ride a bike in 30 days or three days or whatever that is, a book, which is going to explain step by step by step, what do you need to know about bikes? What are the different parts? Like how much air do you need to have with the tires, right? What is the angle? And anything and everything to do with the bike and anything and everything to do with how do you have to get up on the bike, sit down on the bike, How do you have to place your hands on the handle? How do you have to put your legs on the pedal? What do you have to do? And everything will be documented. So it's basically somebody with expertise, with the knowledge of how to do this, telling you exactly what to do based on their experience. So that's a consultant. When you go to a therapist, so this is how a typical conversation is going to look like. Oh, Tracy, great. So you wanted to learn bicycle. Awesome. So is this your first time learning the bike? No. Oh, so you have learned it when you were little. What was it like, you know, when you were learning the bicycle for the first time when you were four years old? Oh, who was there with you when you were riding the first time? Who helped you get on the bike? Right. What was it like to ride without any help from your father? Uh, What happened when you fell down for the first time? You know, how, how emotional you were feeling, like what was it like to be painful when you, you know, fell down for the first time? Who helped you up? What happened afterwards, after you fell down? Like, how did you feel to get on the bike after you fell down, right? It's almost always in the past, like digging a lot deeper as to why, why, why it happened, why it happened, right? It's always in the past. So if you come to a coach like me, Tracy, this is how the conversation is going to go like. Tracy, awesome. What do you want to do? What's your goal? You want to ride a bicycle. Great. You also give me the information. Oh, you've ridden the bicycle when you're four or five years old. Awesome. Great information. Okay. Where is your bike? Here it is. Bring it on. Sit. Let's go. I love that. So it's all about honoring. Coaching is all about honoring the past and definitely honoring the present, but it's always about moving forward. Mm. It's always about moving forward. I can tell you're a, no kidding, professional coach. Yes. This is a Reboots Rough Cuts episode, edited, mixed, and mastered by Mikhail Kozenkov. I'm Tracy Wenchel, and this special series has been inspired by a, a conversation with Mikhail and a group of fellow podcasters during which I expressed frustration and concern 
about a backlog of beautiful stories that have been growing metaphorical dust on my hard drive because I just hadn't gotten around to editing them and publishing them yet. Mikhail offered to help me clear the backlog and to crank out as many episodes as possible by the close of 2018. And this is one of those dozen interviews that will most certainly bring hope to many listeners, maybe even you. Now, if you're a podcaster who is overwhelmed with post-production, or maybe you're not sure how to edit your own podcast, and you want a personal step-by-step walk through the editing and mixing process, or maybe you just want your podcast to sound the very best it can and not have to worry about the editing stage at all, you're going to want to get in touch with my friend Mikhail. Here's how you get in touch with him. It's podcastsoundfixer at gmail.com. We'll have a link in the show notes. Talk to me about certifications and training and the difference between someone like you who really is a coach versus someone who launches a website and says, I'm a coach. Yeah, that's always going to be there no matter what. I've been a coach, professional coach for eight plus years, mostly working inside organizations. That's one of, that's my day job. Work nowadays, like I said, I work a lot with leadership teams that you know really help them be a better leader. So that's my job. So I've been a coach for a long time. By the way, when you ask about certification, I wanted to tell your your listeners that I am a learner for life. I don't, I never say that like, okay, I have the certification now, so I'm going to stop learning. No, I do have some certifications for people who recognize this or understand this. I am an international coaching federation, which is the only certifying coaching body in the whole wide world who acknowledges and certifies coaches. So I'm a professional coach with them, certified with them. And I have also gone through this extensive and very old training uh, for coaching. And this is what, when I say very old training, this is one of the first training and the most popular training available out there. It's called um, Coactive Training, Coactive Model. It's run by Coaches Training Institute. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people across the world who are certified by them. So I have done their full deal certification program. Just like I said, I I am a learner for life. So my intention for going after these different training is to master my skills. And really, when I take myself deeper through coaching and through these different programs, I can guarantee I can take my clients more deeper as well. So... I have to get deeper. That's why I'm working with coaches. I have coaches. So my coaches help me get down deeper to help move forward. So when I go deeper, the more deeper that I go in myself, the more I know about myself, I can help my clients to get there. So yeah, these are some trainings that I have done, like the acronyms that I have right in front of my name. But I, like I said, I've been a constant learner. You know, like you can see all the books I have right in front of me. I learn every, all the books that I can show you. So I keep learning about new things, new techniques, uh, just with the intention of serving my client powerfully. I love that. Thank you, Pradeepa. I get podcast pitches pretty frequently from people who say they're a life coach, and I, I don't think so. Yeah. So thank you. Now, let's back up a little bit. Um, as you were kind of unfolding your story, you talked about how the infertility journey was sucky, and it is an emotional roller coaster. Walk me through what that's like to be in the midst of expectations that constantly disappoint you. Yeah, absolutely. Emotions played a pretty, pretty big role in my journey. And I will share some emotions with you. You know, if any of your listeners are going through this, they'll be able to resonate or be able to understand with what I'm talking about. Fear, loneliness, confusion, jealousy, frustration, sad, angry, irritated, 
These are just some that I listed. And one of the things that stands out for me now, and oftentimes people don't agree to that in a public setting, is jealousy. So I would not have admitted during like when I was going through this, if we, if we would have had this conversation, I would have totally masked that because that's not an emotion that I was proud of admitting outside. Jealousy plays a pretty big role. So think about all these different emotions that, that attacks you every time when you have this expectation, when you have this, I wouldn't even say expectation because again, you know, once you go into a doctor, you cannot like really expect miracles, but there is this optimism, right? That's how I felt, right? There is this hope after the three miscarriages when we were led to fertility specialist, you know, we did the IUIs and IUIs tend to have lower success rates in general. Of course, you know, I'm a technologist and I work in computer and I browse for information. And like anybody who is going through infertility, I would be surprised if they are not on Google for the majority of the day because you wanted answers. Like you wanted to know why or why not me or give me desperation. Like give me one answer, one thing that I can take or try to get that pregnancy, to get that belly, right? So there's so much desperation like that. I, I had the desperation too. And you go and search and do all sorts of research in the interwebs. And of, of course, the IUIs don't have great success rate, but then our doctor recommended IVF, which seemed to have a greater percentage of success rates in general. So your hopes gets up like, oh my God, okay, this is it. Like none of these work. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. And with the first time, you know, like, and again, the doctors will also give you hope based on the tests that they do it to you, all the, all the things, all the measurements and everything looks good. The doctors would also seem to put some hope in your, in your thoughts. And you go with that, you go to that treatment with so much hope. And if it doesn't work out, just like I said, like if you're dropping a glass of bowl, a glass bowl from the 30th floor, it just shatters now you have to pick the bowl and you have to stick it and glue it and you have to carry it again. So it's really, really hard. Sometimes, you know, like if you're in that cycle, if you're in that cycle, it just keeps going and going and all these emotions show up. Fertility journey, it's not like, you know, you go to a doctor one day and immediately you have all these things. It's a journey. When I say it's a journey, it's like a two to solid two to three months for one cycle from start to finish, so much time. So that means, you know, you have to be so disciplined in taking your medications, your injections. Uh, uh, if they tell you to come for blood work at six o'clock, you better be there at six o'clock in the morning, whatever, right? So you have to be extremely, extremely disciplined with all these things. And uh, when you put everything that you have towards this, and when you are not getting that outcome, like I said, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be angry. You're going to be mad at people. You're going to be jealous with people who are getting pregnant without any of these hassles and celebrating baby showers and birthday parties without, you know, without going through this pain, right? So when you start thinking about it and when you are looking at your society, your friends and your family and your colleagues around you, when their lives are moving on, when you when you feel stuck here in this journey, literally, I was stuck. It was like as if I was stuck in a in a quicksand. Nothing, there is nothing for me to really put in the quicksand and like hold and get up from that quicksand. I was literally stuck for eight years. It you make bad decisions, you make bad choices. Relationships sucked with my family and my friends and with my husband too. You know, we had this invisible wall between us. You know, when I was emotional, I didn't know what to ask of my husband to support me. And he didn't know how to support me. And I didn't understand how he was going through this infertility challenges. And we didn't have the proper language to communicate with each other. And it adds on, it adds on, it adds on, it adds on. That wall was growing taller and thicker. And uh, yeah, yeah. 
And I want to come back to that too. You you just walked into something that I I want to be sure we hit before we wrap up is yeah. man, it really puts a strain on relationships and families and I'm before I let you go, I, I want to get your input on how family members can support loved ones dealing with infertility and how how uh, women and men dealing with infertility, specific things they can do to help with that communication. But I, I kind of want to park that and ask one more question down the emotional trail, if we could. Is it important to dismiss this next statement as a lie as you're going through the journey? And the statement is, if we could just conceive all of these problems with relationships and everything else would just go away. Yeah. Let me turn around and answer this in a little different way. Infertility puts a big spotlight on relationship. I'm talking about especially if you're in a if, if you're in a marital relationship, right? It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're husband or wife or husband, husband, wife, wife, doesn't matter, right? It puts a pretty big spotlight. And I use this carpet analogy. The spots that you have in the carpet, the dirt spots in your carpet becomes more visible when you're, especially when you're going through infertility. And this is such a sensitive subject and still it's a taboo subject in our society where not a lot of people are open and talking about this. So the carpet stain now is visible and a lot of us don't have the necessary tools to clean that stain. A lot of the couples are not taught or given the proper tools to clean the stain. So when you are going through this journey, the stain gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I, saw, I actually joked with one of my friends the other day. I have even tried to put a nail color, nail polish, on the same color as my carpet to hide the stain. How long it's going to stay? stay? It's going to come off, right? So no matter how hard you try or pretend that stain doesn't exist, it still exists. Even if you put a rug on top of that stain, the stain still exists. Until you really find ways to truly deep clean the stain. Now I feel like I'm an advertisement for a carpet cleaner. <laughs> but that's the analogy that people understand, right? Unless I have the real tools to deep clean my carpet and get, the, get it out of the root of the carpet, the stain is going to keep coming back. Even if your infertility journey becomes success story and you have a child and all goes well after that, that stain still remains. And that stain will definitely become a stinky stain in the future. That's if you take care of it. That's true with spouses, but isn't it also true with other relationships yeah. all over? Exactly. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But the one of the closest, the reason why, you know, I work nowadays, I work a lot with couples and that's a very, passionate area of mine because a lot of couples are separating or divorcing because of not able to clean the stain on the carpet. Not because they can't have the child. It's not because of that, but their inability to take care of the stain together. Wow. Yeah. And that's where I come in as a coach to really help them address the stain. And give them tools so that the stains will come back, right? It's not going to be a robotic thing. The stains are going to come back, but I am going to help them with the tools to take care of the stains and have a healthier carpet or a longer-lasting, passionate, yeah. intimate relationship for life. Mm -hmm. Infertility is just a smaller hump in the road tracy. It's not the whole life itself. It should never be the end of a marital life. It should never be the cause of the end of a marital life. And that's why I'm working really hard to work with couples so that they don't end up separating. They don't end up staying in different cities or different houses when they're going through fertility struggles, or they don't end up in divorce lawyer's office. Wow. And again, it's the same with, like you said, it's the same with other relationships too. So my next question, 
because that's a lot to unpack. And I, I want to keep moving because I want to respect your time. But the other word that or phrase that really resonated was when you talked about how the infertility journey is is a pity party. Let's just jump right in there and offer some practical advice for women and men who are in the midst of a pity party through this journey. Are there two or three things they can do to first realize they're in a pity party and second of all, work their way toward just deciding not to be the victim? Yeah, exactly. I used to be one and I hated it. I used to be a victim of that pity party because I didn't know where else to go. I didn't know who else to ask for. Because one thing that, you know, I don't want it to sound like a, a, a special thing. Unless people have gone through infertility, others will never, ever understand that. Un unless they have gone through that themselves, others won't understand. And this group of people coming together for the support group, I mean, I mean I'm not bashing all the support groups, but majority of the support groups that I, ha I have been and I have visited now, all feels the same. You come in, it, it was like a like in movies, Alcoholic Anonymous group, right? And people compare numbers, the follicle numbers, how many embryos and things like that. Like, where are you going with this? Right. Like, how is this helpful for you personally right. to move forward, right? You are still stuck. You're still stuck. Like, what clarity or what hope is this giving you to move forward? Like what educated decision are you making to move forward with this? So I work, I partner up with a lot of fertility clinics so that, you know, I help them with the com complete support. And a couple of doctors were very open to me, like Pradeepa, you know, I don't care so much for the support groups here because my patients come back from support group and ask me, like, why are you not doing this XYZ treatment to me? Where did you learn that from? Oh, from my support group last night. Why are you not doing that? You know, because the support groups also, I have seen this in person. So I'm not, I'm not just going off of this, just this comment. And I have seen this. People who participate or lead this group, sometimes they start offering treatments. Have you tried this? Have you done this? Did I do this then that's not a support group. Unless you have studied for it. You are not a medical professional. And I'm extremely, extremely clear on my stance. I will never, ever, ever give any medical advice. Do you want a medical advice? I can easily refer you or introduce you to some of the wonderful doctors that I'm partnering with. Or, you know, I can send you to websites where you can find doctors on your own in your area, right? There are other people who can help you, but I am not that person. So doctors get really pissed off, pardon my language here, pissed off when people, when their patients come and challenge them on, like, why are you not doing this treatment? I, as your doctor, know what's going on in your body and what treatment. So you have to respect them. When you are, when you are working with a doctor, you have to respect them for their knowledge and their expertise. And they are the experts and we are not, unless we also have a medical degree in the same science, right? So no. And that is also not helpful because people get tainted by all this information. I, I felt this. I felt this when I was going through this. You have these unnecessary or unnecessary hopes created. I wouldn't use the word unnecessary. What's the word I'm looking for? These hopes that are not realistic, unrealistic hopes. And Pradeepa, you're exactly right because... A support group that tries to fix you yeah. is no longer a support group because you're right. Then it becomes destructive. Right. So my my question is then, are there two or three things that someone who is in the midst of a, a pity party and no longer wants to do that? I mean, practical, crunchy things that they can say, I don't want any more of this. Right. Help me figure out what I can do to get out of this pity party hole. Yeah. Like maybe um, walk us through how you got through that after your eighth failure in five years, just to say, I'm done. Here's how I'm going to deal with this emotionally and figure out what the next steps are. Right. So for me, it was, again, a really long journey, even after I said eight years and after my last failure, it took me three years for me to get over myself. 
you know, I didn't have a reason, like nobody gave me a reason. This is your problem. That's why you're not able to get pregnant. So I didn't have a proper closure. So I have to really work on my closure cycle really, really hard. And suddenly after three years, one day I woke up and felt like, okay, I'm a victim for infertility. I'm not going to be that anymore. So I am going to turn the tables around. I am going to own infertility. So that's a story for another time, maybe. But it took a long time for but people who see themselves in these part support groups that are not humongously useful, maybe they have to stop and ask this question, like, how is this support group serving me with my infertility struggle, right? How is the support group serving me with this with my struggle? And how am I able to support others who are also in the same journey? Am I able to do that? Am I in a right mindset with all my current struggles? Am I, do I have the right mindset to support others in my group? Those are the questions they need to ask. And if the answers and the emotions, you cannot take away the emotions. How are you able to handle these emotions? How are, how are your relationships, right? At work, at home, with your parents, with your siblings, with your friends, right? With your coworkers around you. And how is that going on? And how is your infertility journey affecting your life in a not so positive way? Where all it's affecting, right? And if it is affecting, how are you able to take care of that? Or do you have any professional support that really helps you move on with this journey, right? So these are some questions, right? I cannot give you step one, step two, step three. These are introspective questions that people have to ask for themselves. And by the time when they, when they have answers to these questions, they will easily figure out whether their group is helping them or not. And most importantly, are they stuck or do they have a clear understanding of what is their moving forward criteria is? How are they moving forward with this journey, right? Even no matter what the outcome is, right? No matter whether you're going to have a child or not, or you're going to go into a different path, adoption or surrogacy or whatever that may be, or childless, right? No matter what that is, do you have clarity on your own? Is that a decision that you and your partner are making together? How is your relationship looking, right? Are you both stronger together before, more than ever? Or do you have the carpet stain that's becoming bigger and bigger because of infertility, right? These are all the questions that I would ask. So it's about getting outside of the infertility, accepting that that's where you are and figuring out where all of your other relationships are and knowing you have to address those right. issues, either as communication skills or personal development, that kind of thing. Wow. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you one, one small testimony. Like this is, this is so amazing that it just recently happened. One of my fertility client, she's been working with me for now seven months since December of last year, came into all sorts of challenges, you know, like had some losses before, actively going on fertility treatments and actively going through struggles. Many of the things that we talked about, she was going through that. So worked with her for seven months now. And one of the beautiful side effect of coaching, that's why I'm calling, I'm very specific side effect of coaching her is she is pregnant right now. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. She's pregnant. I'm very specific and I'm, I'm very deliberate in calling it as a beautiful side effect is because I was able to help her remove some of the bad things, some of the emotions, some of the things that are not serving her well in her body. We were able to work together and help remove those. When removing those, she was able to make beautiful space for amazing things to happen in her body. And one of that amazing thing is the baby that she's carrying right now. So that's why I call it as a nice, beautiful side effect. It's not her final 
end goal. It's a beautiful outcome, one of the outcomes of coaching. I'm also going to say this. This is, again, this is one of my clients. There is one more, very similar, who also got pregnant, who is also pregnant right now, you know, with her beautiful child. As a fertility coach, I wanted to be extremely careful in saying that I never, ever promise any outcomes. I wish I have a magic wand so that I can go touch people so they can get their fertility struggles are gone and they have a beautiful baby. I'm not a god. I'm not a fairy. I'm not, I'm not any of those people. I'm not an angel. I cannot promise the outcome. What I can promise you is to really get rid of majority of the baggage that you carry and help make your infertility journey suck less. The objective is a changed life despite. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's why it's all, all these, these two pregnancies that I'm talking about with my current clients, these are beautiful side effects. Well, Pradeepa, we're, we're nearing the end of our time together. I love asking this question. You've answered it already in kind of a roundabout way, but what good in your life exists today but for your infertility journey? Everything. You know, I, I am even very proud and grateful for my infertility journey. Because of that journey, I am here where I am today. And I'm extremely, extremely grateful for, for the superior power, for the God to let me go through my journey without any support, not proper support, nor coaching. I always tell my people, like tell, tell my clients, like if I had to work with the Pradeepa back then, my journey would have been very different. No matter what the outcome was, my journey would have been very different. My attitude would have been very different. My relationships would have been very different. My emotions, I would, have, I would have had better reactions to my emotions. I would have been able to say no to birthday parties that I didn't want it to go without hurting, not feeling guilty. I would not have avoided going to see my family for four years in India, feeling shame, ashamed. I would not have done any of those things if I had a Pradeepa working with me back then. But I am very grateful I did not have a Pradeepa back then because I can be that Pradeepa for all the other beautiful souls going through fertility struggles. So my next to last question builds on that. What advice or encouragement do you have for family members who are working to support people through their infertility struggle. How do you make yeah. sure that these family members aren't heaping shame on top of shame? Because that yeah. is tragic. Right. I'll, I'll offer a couple of advices. And this is a very common question people ask me. One, don't sympathize. Don't say you are sorry. Because as somebody going through infertility, I'm already feeling so sorry for myself. And the last thing that I wanted to hear is, oh, no, I'm so sorry to hear that. Don't ever say that. People don't, we don't appreciate that. And be empathetic about it. It can be hard, but just try and be empathetic about it. You can even be open and say, like, Pradeepa, I don't understand what you're going through going through right now, but I'm here for you. Just say that. That's it. I'm here for you. And sometimes, Tracy, you know, on days like I actually <clears throat> published a couple of videos for both Father's Day and Mother's Day because those days can be so hard on people going through. I infertility. saw that and it was beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are a family member, when you know of somebody going through fertility challenges in your family, don't make them come for dinners or breakfasts or brunches or whatever that is. You know, if you didn't hear from them, don't make them feel guilty. Because this can be such a hard day for people going through infertility. And offer them a hug. Think about, think about them. You know, even if they are not near you, 
think about them. Keep them in your thoughts. And even if you can, send them a virtual hug. Just let them know, hey, I'm thinking about you today. That's it. I know it can, it's getting myself a little bit emotional because it was like that for me year after year after year after year. And I can always relate to that feeling. So don't offer any sympathies. Just say, it's okay if you say, I don't understand because we don't expect you to understand everything and be open and honest about it. And don't make us come to baby showers or birthday parties. It give us an option. Sometimes I didn't have the courage to say no. I ended up hosting a baby shower after my fifth failure. It was wow. horrible. I couldn't do anything about it. So keep those things in mind. Mm-hmm. And be be there for them. Be, be there for us. That's it. You don't even have to say anything. Just a simple hug will mean a lot to us. Oh, Pradeepa, that's amazing. You know, we we all mean well. I I know that well-meaning things trigger things that I deal with. You know, unresolved grief. People are always trying to fix my asthma. You know, like, oh, I haven't thought of that before. And they they want me to get well, but when I'm dealing with acceptance for what I cannot change... I don't need to be told I need to be working harder because I'm already working my tail off. Right. Yeah. And I'm disappointed in the results. So um, I have no idea how that emotion then shifts into having a baby. And so um, thank you for those very wise words and they're heartfelt. And I thank you for that. Last question is, Do you have any specific materials that you would recommend to someone who uh, wants to learn more about coping with infertility? Yeah. So resolve.org, that's the National American National Infertility Association. So they have this website, resolve, R-E-S-O-L-V-E dot O-R-G. And they have a ton of resources that are available for people to learn about and know about infertility. So that'll be a great place to start. We'll also point people to your website and uh, the services that you provide. And um, I thank you so much for your time and your insights and your wisdom. And you're a true pro. And I'm, I'm grateful to have met you. Thank you, Pradeepa. Yeah, thank you so much, Tracy. For more about Pradeepa's services, check out lives-transformed.com. A link is in the show notes at rebootspodcast.com RR01. I'm Tracy Winchell. We'll see you next time. Deo Valente. We hope this episode has helped you in some way. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe someone you care about might benefit from the Reboots Podcast. It's easy to share from our website, rebootspodcast.com. The Reboots Podcast is a production of Winchell Storyworks Incorporated, a company dedicated to helping businesses and individuals know, share, and live their stories in order to impact the world around us in a positive way and to achieve financial freedom. 